Hi, I'm Angela Snyder, your host. I'm a former lawyer turned stay-at-home mom turned personal development junkie. And I truly believe that we're not just meant to go through life, we're meant to grow through life. So often the daily grind dictates our every move and I'm here to help you disrupt the pattern and wake up to yourself to remember what lights you up. To use Glennon Doyle's genius and heroic analogy, I'm here to wake you up to the freaking cheetah inside of you. I believe we are all meant for more, for a truer understanding, deeper conversations, and more intimate, soulful connections, and a truly deep relationship with ourselves. We are worth the investment of time and energy to reconnect with our souls and to rediscover our deepest intentions in this life. It all goes so fast, time's going to pass by whether we are actively participating or not. So why not grab a hold of the wheel and take control of your destiny? So give yourself permission to dive deep and do this work because I promise you are worth it and you won't regret it. Alright guys, it's confession time here. How many of you find yourself reaching for the candy jar after you've had a bad day? Or you have some sort of a stressful event and you think, oh my gosh, I totally deserve an ice cream sundae right now. Is it just me? No. (laughs) This happens to be way more often than I would like to admit. But what if I told you that there was a way to break free from this sugar cycle that we're in? Well, if that's something that you're interested in, then you are in luck because today we have Maria Bonita, who is a holistic sugar coach. Yes, you heard that right, a sugar coach. If you're anything like me, you're gonna be totally shocked that this even exists, Um, but it is so exciting and I can't wait for you to hear this episode and learn from her because she actually has some really great tips and tricks for you to use in those moments of weakness where you feel like you want to reach for the candy bar or nothing but an ice cream sundae is going to make you feel better. She does give us some tips to make it through those moments. So you're going to want to make sure you listen to the end. Um, Like I mentioned, Maria is a holistic sugar coach and she's here today to teach us all about why our relationship with sugar is so important to our overall health. As you'll hear, she is uh, a vegan. She's on a whole food plant-based diet, but I wanna make sure that you know that what she teaches us today, the recommendations that she is going to share with us can be helpful for any type of eater. Uh, You don't have to be a whole food plant-based eater in order to benefit from her tips today. So definitely make sure you listen to the end so that you can get those tools to help you make it through the next time your sugar snack monster comes knocking. Um, I hope you guys love this episode as much as I did. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to Maria. Hi, Maria. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on here. How's it going? Oh my gosh. Thank you so, so much for being here. I'm really excited about this conversation. Uh, I cannot wait to share like all of your wisdom with our listeners today. So thank you so much for being here. Amazing. That's fantastic. 
Yay. Okay, so for those of you who don't know Maria, she is a holistic sugar coach. And when I first heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that these people existed, you know, somebody that was just strictly there to help you with your relationship with sugar. But I thought I was immediately intrigued because I know what a big deal our relationship with sugar is, right? I know for me personally, it can be a little bit of, you know, like a little devil hanging out on my shoulder and I know the struggle that that can lead to. And so I just thought, oh my gosh, a holistic sugar coach. I have got to speak to her and have her on the podcast. So I'm really, really excited um, to share, like I said, all of your wisdom with my listeners today. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came to be a holistic sugar coach? Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much. So um, I think it started off quite a few years ago. I was someone who was uh, completely throughout all of my teen years and early 20s, totally hooked on sugar. Um, I mean, I was also living quite a generally unhealthy lifestyle. I was binge drinking, I was smoking, I didn't do any exercise. Um, And in 2015, my father passed away from lung cancer and it was a really, really big wake up call because I could see the connection between, okay, you know, if you make certain lifestyle choices, unfortunately, it's going to have certain repercussions. And it was like, okay, um, I need to really analyze what I'm doing with my life and really think about it. And what's the kind of life that I want to live? Do I want to thrive? Do I want to be healthy? Um, and I have to be really honest with people, it was not something where, you know, you hear these amazing stories and it's the next day someone changed their life. That's not my story. <laughs> my story was, um, you know, it was something that was step by step. So I did, a, you know, I started changing my diet, then I looked a little bit at exercise and I took another step forward, right? And it was something that built up over time. And I really was someone who being, you know, very over, well, fairly overweight and really struggling for so many years, I just thought, this is my life, you know, I'm just going to be one of those people that's always going to have a problem with food, that's always going to have a problem with their weight, that's not going to be able to just eat a little bit of something and put the rest down without it turning into a binge, and I just thought, you know, there's, there's no way I'm going to change. And eventually, you know, um, I did, and it was just something that, that was done step by step, really slowly, and um, it got to the point, um, especially last year, where I realized that so many other people were struggling, especially women were really struggling with food, especially with sugar. And it was something that I used to be really embarrassed about and really ashamed about. I was so scared to tell people how I used to buy candy bars and eat them in my bedroom by myself, hoping no one was looking at me. And But once I started sharing my story and realizing that actually it was very, very common and that, you know, I think nearly most women at some point go through this, um, that's when I really realized that there was a big need for this work. So last year, especially during COVID, um, was when I created my program and I got certified and I did all these different things to be able to start helping women and um, with their relationship with sugar. And it's so far, it's been um, a fantastic process. Like I'm just so happy that I get to share this work with the world and I get to know that I'm, I'm helping other people improve their lives as well. Yeah, wow, that's really beautiful. I think, um, you know, hearing about the emotional connection of your story is really relatable for a lot of people, Um, you know, getting a wake up call like that, having to lose your father, I'm so sorry to hear about that. But how beautiful that you turned that experience into a really positive, you know, change in your life. I think that's really um, admirable and super inspirational. 
Um, talk to us a little bit about your journey going from being super unhealthy to, to making healthy habits, like just a way of living. So you said that you were just eating poorly, not exercising. What were some of those first changes that you made and, and how did you implement those? So I think um, the first thing was just really realizing that I needed to make a change because I think a lot of us, um, you know, we know we're not doing things right, but we don't always have that impetus to make a change. And I think it was that impetus of like, okay, you know, if I don't make a change, things are going to carry on exactly like they are and, and probably get a bit worse because I was, you know, developing certain health issues and having like little problems or maybe I can try something different. So I think the first thing was that willingness just to be open to try something different. And then um, I really began experimenting. So it was like I started changing food and I started trying to restrict calories and count calories, which I don't recommend, but um, you know, it was a process where it was something right. where I was just testing, just testing out to see how it would work. Then I started doing just a little bit of exercise. So I was just doing like 20 minutes a day, 20 minutes in the morning. Um, something I think it's really good for people just to, I feel like we have this pressure on ourselves that you have to do an hour of exercise otherwise it doesn't count or you have to have a completely healthy diet otherwise it's, it's not a healthy diet and I think you just have to do one step in the right direction so if for you that's one meal that you make differently I think actually funny looking now that you've asked me that question I think what was the first thing that I changed was um, I changed my breakfast and I started eating oatmeal and fruit in the morning which I know sounds really I, like I completely forgot about it until you just asked me but that was probably the first change that I made I changed my breakfast and then I started doing a little bit of exercise then I started changing some other foods and that's why I really encourage people it's not about doing everything perfectly and making these radical changes to your life it's making one or two changes that are sustainable that feel good mm -hmm. and then once you're feeling a bit better and you're feeling confident in yourself because you've made a change because when you make you know when you commit to doing one thing and you follow through then you have a bit more confidence and then it's easier to commit to something else. And that's, yeah, that's something that I always love to share with people because I think we live in this kind of all or nothing mentality where mm -hmm. it's, you know, there's a middle road that, that could actually be a lot more useful and a lot more sustainable for most people. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's like uh, when you're going on a diet or you're trying to start out something new, you're like, okay, I'm going to start working out. I'm going to start, you know, restricting my calories by like a crazy amount. I, and I'm going to do all of it tomorrow. I'm going to be waking up an hour earlier and doing my workout and not eating anything and all this stuff. And you're trying to implement like so many new things all on day one and it becomes overwhelming and it's, and it's tougher for you to get your mind around and be pleasant about it, right? Then if you just sort of slowly started integrating small changes and keeping those promises to yourself, I think you're so right when you say like the confidence that you get from keeping the promises that you're making to yourself is like incredible. And that then can propel you forward to continue to make positive changes, right? Definitely, definitely a hundred percent. Yeah, I love that. Um, hey, can you share with us, like, how much weight did you end up losing? Yeah, so I lost, um, you guys use pounds, so I think it's 40 yeah. pounds, it's about 20 kilos in total. Wow. Um, so it was a, yeah, it was a fair amount of weight, um, and in, I suppose in some ways, I look back on it, and I, like, I don't even recognize myself sometimes in the photos, mm -hmm. because things have been so different. But it's not really, um, when I was at, at my heaviest weight, it was always about the weight, right? It was like, okay, 
it, how do I lose weight? That was the focus. And then once I, I began to lose the weight, it wasn't even about the weight anymore. It was about having a healthy lifestyle. And I think when you focus on how you can have a less healthy lifestyle over how you can lose weight, you end up making the right choices for yourself. Because I think we focus so much just on the weight that mm-hmm. then we're like, okay, I'm going to lose weight no matter what, right? And we don't end up doing the best decisions for ourselves. And we don't do things that are sustainable that you can actually, you know, carry through for the rest of your life. So yeah, I mean, it was it was a fair amount of weight. But like I say to people, try, <laughs> if you want to make a change, try and focus on your overall health and then the weight will come off if it needs to itself. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And have you always been plant-based or was that a change that you implemented during that time period? Yeah, that was that was one of the, the changes that I also began to implement maybe four years ago or something like that. Um, so that was a slightly more recent. Um, and it was also a really, really positive, amazing change for me. It's completely changed the way that I relate to food um and i just wish i'd done it sooner to be honest Mm -hmm. is that something that you also like started to incorporate slowly like one or two meals a week began to be plant-based or was that something where you like ripped the band-aid off and you did it all at once no the same yeah it was something that i did slowly i began kind of reducing meat a little bit um eating less meat um, then, um, I don't know, I think first of all, I started off with dairy, I quit dairy, then it was like reducing meat. And then the last thing that I stopped was eggs. Um, and it, cause it's, you really have to find ways to replace things in your diet that leaves you feeling satisfied and feeling full and feeling high with energy. Mm-hmm. And the same thing I've noticed with some people that they say, okay, I want to go plant-based or I want to go vegan. And then they don't really, um, they, they, of they lose momentum and they're like i can't really do it i can't deal with it i don't feel good because they're not doing it in a way that's like with their body you know changing seeing if this food feels good for you if it gives you energy you know some people feel really hungry or they don't eat the right portion sizes so then you know it's different so yeah it's definitely um a step-by-step thing as well okay when you say that um you know, going vegan or plant-based really changed your relationship with food um, and how you look at food. Can you dive into that for a little bit more for us? Because I think for people who are like maybe just starting out to think about making these changes, um, actually shifting how they look at food is not something that's like on their radar necessarily and they don't know what that means. Can you explain that for us? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, I do think it's a personal thing. It's a little bit different for everyone. So I can only speak from, from my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was something about, I began to read all these different books about um, the biology of our bodies and how they process meat. And I just personally feel that um, our bodies are made better for plants. People would disagree with me and, you know, I accept, <laughs> I accept people yeah. disagree with me. That's fine. But that's something that really started to click for me. And when I started to eat plants, I noticed that um, my health improved. And for example, I've never gotten sick. And that's something that's really motivated me. Like I've never gotten a cold. I've never gotten any kind of illness since I went plant-based. Wow. So that was for me, it was like, okay, this is, this is what is fueling my body and keeping mm-hmm. me alive and keeping me healthy and keeping me waking up. You know, I wake up every day feeling energized. Um, I never feel kind of that heavy feeling after eating. So all these different feelings in my body was made mm. me like really, really kind of reflect on it. And also 
um, you know, the, 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 the violence, because unfortunately, um, animal agriculture today, the way it's done today, is, is really abusive to animals, right? It's, it's a different thing to, you know, back in the hunter-gatherer and all that kind of stuff. That's a whole different ball game. Right. Animal agriculture is, is really violent. So when I started seeing these videos and I was like, okay, I can't eat something that I know has been through a process of suffering and torture and feel good about it. Now that I'm conscious of it, I can't do it. You know, before I could do it and I enjoyed it because I wasn't really aware of what was going on. Right. Um, and like I say, it's a personal thing. I don't, you know, some people kind of take it like that you're trying to force people to change, but I really encourage it, um, people to take it in a way that's like, okay, how can I make the best decision for me? That might not be being going vegan for everyone, but if you can look at your food and you feel really good with your choices and you're like, okay, does this feel good in my body? Um, then you can kind of take those steps to feel better and, and it can be really empowering. Nice. I love that. I think, um, I think that point of view is a really good one, you know, just doing whatever feels best in your body and really listening to how your body responds to the food that you're giving it. Um, I think since I started to have these conversations with you and a few other experts that'll be coming on, I've started to try to really tune in a little bit more to my body, like after eating and seeing, well, like, mm -hmm. how does that make me feel? And so it's not always easy to like figure out exactly which food might be causing you to feel one way or the other if you have a plate that has like, you know, a few different things on it, right? Mm -hmm. But it is interesting, just the process of tuning in to my body and how it feels after eating and just trying to like make a mental note of it. Whereas before, I think I probably just ignored it, right? So um, I, I appreciate that point of view and I, I do... Um, I think that that's a good way of thinking about it. So I kind of want to switch gears and talk now about the sugar and yes. how the sugar plays into our eating habits. Um, I guess let's just start by like, how would somebody know that they might have an issue with sugar? Because like these terms, like that just framing, um, you know, these issues in this way is not, is going to be brand new for most listeners. So how would somebody know that they need to heal their relationship with sugar? Yeah, so um, there's there's a few different things. It's it's different, like I said, it's different for everyone, and it can be a little bit complicated for some people. Um, but there are some things that are a bit obvious that can kind of give you some light that maybe okay, um, you need to kind of tune into this and and rethink it. So I think one of them is if you're someone who always binges. If it's like you're someone that you know eats some candy or something, and you're not able just to eat a little bit and put the rest down when you feel satisfied but you, it just goes into a binge and you just feel like, okay, I have to eat everything. Um, another sign would be if you're, if you're using it to manage your emotions. So if you're repressing your emotions through food, that's something that's also maybe not always um, easy to spot, but if you're someone who, um, you know, struggles with difficult emotions and instead of feeling them, that you're eating them, then that's a sign as well that you, you wanna be really careful um, with sugar. And um, another one is if you spend time kind of feeling guilty and feeling ashamed and obsessing over it, right? So if you're someone that eats something and as soon as you finish, you say to yourself, I really shouldn't have had that. I shouldn't be doing this. Why am I doing this? And you go through, you know, that kind of uh, mental dialogue, then that's a really, really big sign as well. I think as well for some people, it's um, if you're hiding it. 
I know mm. this is for me. It was like, okay, I would eat these things and it was like, I would be in my room and I would be ashamed if someone else saw me doing it. So I think right. when you're doing it in that way, that's a really big sign as well that, that there's something that you might want to be working on there. Mm, my goodness. Yeah, that's good. You got me there. Uh, number three was totally me. Like you eat something and then you're consumed with guilt and shame about it. And I'm always like, oh, why did I do that? Um, so that's good to know that that's not a normal way to feel after eating and that that means that I need to dig in and do some work there. I think that that's probably a fairly common, um, you know, aftermath uh, event if somebody has something mm -hmm. sweet, like unfortunately in our culture, you know, we're, we're taught to feel shame around those types of things. Um, so I'm excited to learn about how you recommend people start going about healing their relationship with sugar. Yeah, so some of it, like you kind of just mentioned, is related to that diet culture mindset that we're brought up with. Whereas if you eat something sweet, um, you've failed somehow, right? You've given in. We talk about this guilty pleasure giving in to these things. Mm -hmm. So I think um, one step is to really begin to um, try and see sugar as something that is neutral, right? Um, it's not something that's good or bad, it's, it's, it's how you use it. And um, the more guilt that you feel and the more that you um, think about sugar as something that's really bad and really evil and really unhealthy, even if you know we obviously know that eating it does not have positive health benefits, like I'm not, I'm not gonna deny that it's, it's not yeah. the best option for us, obviously we know that. But when you keep thinking about it as something that's bad, I shouldn't have that, I shouldn't be doing this, um, you're placing a mental restriction on it, which actually is one of the reasons that we end up binging. So even if you're someone who's like, oh, you know, I don't restrict chocolate, I eat it every day. But if every single day you're feeling bad and you're feeling guilty when you go to the store and you buy it, you're placing a mental restriction on it, which is um, going to lead you to more binging. So that would be one thing to really, really think about. The next thing um, is to really come at the situations from curiosity. So say the next time you go and eat something and you know you're like I'm not hungry I know I'm doing this to cover my emotions or you're you know you go on this big binge really instead of feeling guilty and worrying and beating yourself up see if you can turn it around and reframe it into a learning experience so ask yourself what was I feeling that led me to this situation right what could I learn about myself from this situation just turning it away from guilt towards curiosity um, is you know is pivoting slightly towards a more positive um, side that's actually going to give you a bit more insight and might guide you towards your next step. Hmm. That's really interesting. I love that. So just having a, a moment of reflection and, and really trying to be intentional about why you might be reaching for the sugar. Yeah, I mean, for some people, I even recommend um, when you have that feeling, you have that craving coming on and you're like, okay, this is not just something that's out of hunger or this is not just, you know, I'm in a really nice coffee shop with my friends and we're all going to have something that, you know, it's when it's one of those situations where you're probably alone and you, you start this, you feel these emotions coming up. I'm not saying don't go and eat whatever you're going to eat, but just before you go and do it, just pause for a minute and try and identify what you're feeling. So an emotion is just a vibration in your body. So where are you feeling it? So maybe you're not exactly sure what you're feeling. You're like, I don't know if it's anxiety, I don't know if it's stress, but okay, where are you feeling it? Is it like a tension in your chest? Is it like um, butterflies in your stomach? And just take a second to kind of identify that and think, okay, I'm, I'm feeling butterflies in my stomach. 
and then just breathe in for a few rounds, just do a few rounds of deep breaths and breathe into your stomach, breathe into wherever you're feeling that sensation. For mm. some people, sometimes, just that quick exercise is enough to um, allow the emotions to flow and to go out, right? Because it's something so simple, but we just, we're never ever taught to just kind of manage our emotions. Um, so just that really quick exercise can sometimes be enough. And even if it's not enough, just do that before. So you gain a little bit more awareness of the emotions that are coming up in your body. And then you can gain a bit more insight into why you're doing this. And from there, you can begin to make changes and help yourself. Hmm, yeah, I love that. That sounds really interesting. Um, you talked a little bit before about the sugar cycle. I wonder if you could explain that to us. So there's a few different ways to look at this, um, but the sugar cycle is basically that we eat sugar and we feel really guilty about it. Then we restrict it, our energy dips, our blood sugar dips. Mm. So then we go and eat more sugar to lift up our energy, to feel a bit better, to raise our, you know, to, to kind of go up again. And then we get stuck in a cycle. So we get stuck in the cycle of, of feeling guilty, of restricting, of binging, of having our blood sugar go up and down. Um, and we get stuck in it a lot. Of, and I know, unfortunately, I was stuck in that for many, many years. And a lot of us, um, because sugar is a stimulant, similar to caffeine, a lot of us use it for energy. So mm. I know a lot of people, you know, you get kind of tired at like three in the afternoon. So you have something sugary to kind of bring up your energy. But unfortunately, similar to caffeine, right, it's not something that's going to give you steady energy throughout the day. It's going to give you a boost and then you're going to go back down again and then you're going to need to go back up again. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never heard it explained like that before. So I appreciate that insight. Thank you. Do you think for women, our hormones play into our sugar addiction at all? Um, there are some people that would say yes. I mean, I'm not a hormone expert, so I, mm -hmm. I don't want to give like a definite answer. Okay. But I, so, but I think that there's one thing that definitely hormones have been shown to interrupt. I'm sorry, sugar has been shown to interrupt our hormones and to play around with them. Mm. Um, and I think I think there's definitely a connection. One of the other things is that as women as well, our lives are kind of um, molded by our cycles, and then therefore the changes in hormones throughout our cycles definitely interplay because there's some periods of your cycle where you're going to be a lot hungrier you're more likely to get certain cravings and there's other periods where you're more likely to be low energy for example so then because of the way our society works we kind of think that we all should be high energy all the time go 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 mm -hmm. and for women we actually if we want to work with our cycles uh, we're not supposed to we're, there's you know a few times a month where you are supposed to kind of relax a little bit and um be slightly lower energy um and that's as well another reason so it definitely is connected for sure the hormones and sugar oh that's so interesting so do you like tailor your eating to your cycle at all yeah i mean i'm not someone that does it very very strictly but um this is one of the things that um that i teach in my program as well there are a few different things that you can do to begin to um line up your life to your cycle to begin to sync up your life and Basically, the cycle is like the four seasons. So if you think of menstruation as winter, then you've got follicular, which is spring, uh, ovulatory, which is summer, and then the luteal, which is autumn. So I find it really useful to think about it as the seasons because that kind of is um, how your body temperature changes. So in the summer, your body temperature is a little bit higher. 
therefore um, it's so often well it's, it's up you can eat whatever you want right there's no rules but it can be useful to eat slightly cooler foods during the summer right because your body temperature is a bit higher so you can eat some foods that are a little bit cooler maybe eat some raw foods um, and also focus on slightly different activities so you can do things like um, um, uh, focus on like communicating in the follicular phase you want to focus on creative work right and during ovulation focus on speaking engagements for example and then as you go into autumn winter you want to start slowing down so maybe focusing on uh, yoga and journaling and introspection and all of these things that um based on more on your intuition and going inside um, and during that time you also want to eat warmer foods so you can start eating you might want to eat some soup um, be careful if you're i don't know walking around barefoot you might want to put socks on because your body temperature is going to go down some people want to have hot showers to keep it up so the food definitely definitely um interplays with your cycle i tell people as well to not sometimes when we get this information it's the same thing we think all or nothing like oh my god how am i going to live my life according to my cycle but you can just switch one thing right you can just try and play around with a couple of warmer meals during menstruation and try and eat some you know lighter foods during ovulation for example wow this is fascinating i've actually never like stumbled upon this information before or really i guess i've never thought about like you know, working with my body in that way. And I think like part of this process for me is really enlightening. I'm learning on this journey, like how intuitive our bodies are and how really listening to the needs of our bodies could just make everything go so much smoother, right? Like now that you're talking about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I better figure this out because I would love to know when it is time for me to slow down in the month and like really, you know, listen to my body and do those things. So I, I love that idea. That sounds really neat. Um, talk to us a little bit about your program. What does that look like for somebody going through the program? So I have, um, at the moment, I have my signature eight-week one-on-one coaching program. And it's, um, yeah, it's completely one-on-one. And then there's kind of four different things that we tackle within the program. The first thing is mindset around sugar, specifically how to begin to see sugar as neutral so that we avoid um, this obsession over it and we can kind of allow kind of more mental space to focus on things that are actually important for us. The other thing that we look at is emotional eating. Um, and I wanna teach people different tools so that they um, don't fall in the trap of emotional eating and have something ready when that, that feeling comes up. The other thing that we really work on is plant-based recipes and how you can find sweetness through nature without needing to you know, go to refined sugars um, unless you want to. And the last thing that I work with women is to really begin to lean into your feminine energy and to try and align your life to your cycle. Wow, that sounds like a really beautiful transformation. And I have to tell you guys, for anybody who doesn't follow her, you're going to want to follow her on Instagram. Remind us, what's your handle? Where can you be found? I'm at the Vida Bonita. And it is so beautiful. You are going to see like pictures of the most delicious looking treats. She made these brownies the other day that I was like, oh my goodness, they look so chewy and delicious. <laughs> Thank you. And so you have, I think I was seeing, do you have a few recipes available on your link in there or not yet? I can't remember if there um, were any in there. I don't remember. I oh, you have the, you know what, the recipes, 
they're actually the recipes are on the posts like if you click on the thing it'll tell you like how to make those things so definitely check those out if you guys are interested in in some plant-based um you know desserts that look so delicious that we have more than just desserts too on there which i think is super cool um how about can you share with us like one tip for um our listeners to start getting a hold of their sugar relationship like right now if they wanted to start implementing something right away yeah um i think one of the first things that i suggest to people is really focus on what can you add to your diet and also what can you add to your life rather than focusing on how can I avoid sugar because we're always focusing okay how can I eat less how can I not you know avoid it all of this kind of stuff but it's a bit like law of attraction if you're always focusing on avoiding sugar you're probably going to end up bringing more into your life unintentionally so really focus on what can you add to your diet that's going to give you more energy that's going to taste good that's going to make you feel good and do it as um think of it as a fun thing think about it as an experimentation okay I'm going to change my breakfast today I'm going to change my lunch tomorrow and just see how I feel and see how it affects your energy levels and also not just with food but also with your life like a lot of times um when we're eating emotionally and stuff it's because we're feeling lonely it's because we're feeling bored at work it's because we're not feeling fulfilled so how can you look at adding things to your life that bring you more joy that are more fun you know could you spend a bit more time with your family and really prioritizing those things that lift you up and make you feel good I love that. That's actually a really interesting answer. I think I love that you're talking about adding things and, and really in a holistic way, like look around at your life. If you're feeling like you're reaching for the chocolate every night, look around and maybe consider why that is. I love that and see what you can add to your life that would help to sort of alleviate that feeling of need, right? I love that. That's really cool. What about like for kids? I know a lot of our listeners are moms and we're always worried about making sure we're giving our children like healthy foods and options. How can we help them in what seems as a mom of three boys right now who are so active and like, it just seems like a struggle, such a battle to fight the the addiction to sugar, like the goodies, right? There's constantly, Mm -hmm. constantly events and there's candy coming in for all these different, you know, special occasions and things. And like, how can we help our kids to form like a healthy relationship with sugar in the midst of all this crazy (laughs) sugar, sugar craze that happens in childhood? I don't know why that is. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, definitely difficult because at the end of the day, you know, we're going to be bombarded with it, right? You can't just completely avoid it. So we have to kind of learn to live with it. And I think it's really careful, really important to be careful to not, um, like we want to teach our kids how to make healthy choices, but at the same time, if every time they eat a chocolate, you get worried, you get scared, you tell them don't do that, right? It creates these restrictions. And you know, like, it's like kids, like, you know, with underage drinking, why do people drink underage? Because they're not allowed to do it. So it's more exciting. And it's the same thing with candy. If you're not allowed it, you want it even more. So one of the things that um, that I suggest to people is, first of all, for moms and, and moms and dads to to not give your kids candy as a prize or as a treat when they when they behaved well. You know, if they have it one day in an event, if they have it one day, let them enjoy it and be present and and be there. But try not to give it to them as a prize for good behavior or as a bribe, because I know uh, even I've been guilty of doing this with, I know I'm not a mother and I've done this with kids before, right? You know, 
behave well and I'll give you a candy later. Really, really try not to do that because um, we end up creating a dysfunctional relationship with sugar where we as adults then feel that we either need it because we've been, we've done a good job today at work, so I deserve this candy bar, right? Mm -hmm. Or the opposite, where we think that we have to earn it in order to eat it. So we think, okay, if I haven't done uh, this amount of work, or I haven't run this many miles, I'm not allowed to have this, right? So not using it as a prize and really thinking like, okay, um, maybe you can motivate and encourage kids with um, more privileges or more responsibilities, right? How can you um, give them something that's actually gonna add to their life rather than um, take away in some way? So I think that's something that's really key. And another thing is to really um, help kids with um, like letting them in the kitchen, get them in the kitchen, get them to help you make things so that they're in, you know, with the whole process, take them to the store if you can give them, um, you know, like uh, help the, help you do the groceries with them. Yeah, I like that. I think that's, um, that's a good tip, just really including them in the process and helping to guide them to get excited about uh, healthier sweet choices. You know, I'm sure if I made the brownies on your page, they would gobble them up in two seconds and be super excited about that. So I love that. Um, so I wanted to dive in a little deeper on this one theme that keeps coming up for me in this conversation and our last, which is this idea of shame around our eating habits. Um, I am, you know, I've fallen <laughs> I don't know, privy to this, you know, a lot, actually, this, this surrounds my habits sometimes more often than I would like, but I know it's also a, a fairly common um, thing that a lot of women struggle with. Can you talk to us a little bit about this idea of our shame that we have around our eating and how we might be able to get rid of that feeling? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you say, it's pervasive. Unfortunately, it's, it's really, really common. And I think the first thing is to recognize that because I remember when I was, you know, eating alone, feeling super embarrassed, I thought it was just me and I thought there was something wrong with me and that I was someone that just didn't have control and that, you know, it was, it was just something that was personal. But really, it's something that's so, so widespread. So first of all, please know that it's completely normal, that you're not alone, that so many women feel this way. And also that um, the way that candy is made and the way these products are designed, they, they use our biology. So they investigate our biology to make products that are absolutely irresistible. So, you know, there's a reason that they're difficult to let go of. They're, they're designed that way. They're designed to be bought so that you, you keep buying more and you keep eating more. And it's just um, an invitation to kind of check in with yourself and see if you can be a little bit more compassionate because the feelings of guilt and the feelings of shame don't, don't help us grow. And if you're just able to check in with yourself and say, okay, why am I feeling this way? How can I feel a little bit better? What can I do about this? And obviously if you really do, you know, if you need help, go and get it because it, it does take a while to really kind of get over it, but you're not alone. That's the, that's the one thing that I want everyone to know that it's really common. Oh, I love that. And I think you're right. Just like having that moment of checking in and creating awareness around the issue is, is really just the first step for anybody in making a change is first becoming aware of your need or desire to change um, and becoming really clear on what that situation is for you right now. So I really love that. Um, thank you for, for that, because I feel like the shame just kept coming up. I kept like circling it in different areas of my notes. So I really wanted to ask you about that. And I really loved um, 
your insight there. So thank you so much. Um, do you have any last like tips for us uh, about how to just improve our eating habits overall? Yeah, so um, particularly when it comes to sugar and well, when it comes to eating in general, but specifically for sugar, I find that firstly, trying to develop um, a mindful eating practice can be really, really useful. So whatever you're choosing to eat, whether that be a salad or a cookie, it doesn't really matter. If you're able to slow down, um, feel a bit of appreciation for your food, um, you're gonna start developing a slightly different relationship with it. Um, and you know, some people would say this is a bit kind of woo-woo or whatever, but um, when you feel gratitude and you send gratitude towards your food, you're mm -hmm. infusing it with love and you're infusing it with positive vibes. So I think, yeah, one thing is to just eat mindfully and slow down because really mindful eating is just normal eating but because we're so attached to technology or even just getting distracted by our own thoughts sometimes we can eat something and we don't even realize we've eaten it mm -hmm. and when when you skip that feeling of satisfaction from your food um it's like you get the calories and you get the energy but you don't get the satisfaction and because of that that's one of the reasons that a lot of us then go ahead for sugar and go ahead for other things because we're not feeling satisfied at the end of our meals, right? Wow. Yes. Oh my gosh. I don't want to interrupt you, but I just had like a moment where I was like, this happens to me almost every night at dinner because I sit down, I'll start eating and then the kids need a million things. And so I'm getting up, I'm running, I'm like taking a bite here and there, running around, serving everybody. But by the time I like sit down to actually enjoy my meal, it's like half gone or whatever. And I'm just realizing, wait, I don't feel satisfied at all. Like I ate my dinner, but I almost felt like I feel gypped of the opportunity to sit down and enjoy the meal, if that makes sense. And so I still feel hungry and I, and then I reach for something, even yeah. though I've like technically just completed my dinner, but I didn't have that moment of, of satisfaction that you're talking about. And so I am then reaching for something. Wow. That's really enlightening yeah yeah no it's it's and it's really really common we all especially with technology we all do this right you sit down and people have lunch in their office by the computer right and it's really should be a sacred moment of carving out a little bit of time because like i say if you don't get the satisfaction it's kind of like you didn't eat it's, it's similar to skipping your lunch um there was a couple of other useful tips that i think could also be really good if you want to try and minimize sugar and you want to do it mindfully um uh, once you've got the mindful eating dance, that, that is definitely key. A couple of other things that you can do, and I'm borrowing these from Ayurveda, is one is incorporating um, bitter greens. So in Ayurveda, they have the, the six different tastes and bitter is the opposite of sweet. So some people find that including more bitter greens like rugula or collard greens and these kind of things, um, it kind of balances out the taste. So you're not kind of so, you don't feel that you need um, sugar so much. And another one, and this is the one that I found kind of the most interesting and the one that I personally adopt a lot since I discovered this, is about incorporating more sweet spices into your diet. So things like cinnamon or nutmeg or cloves, um, they've been used in Ayurveda for thousands of years um, to one, manage sugar cravings and two, to also manage blood sugar. Mm. And I found this really interesting because then I then went online and I did a bit of research and you, you guys can all do this research yourself as well. If you look up sweet spices and cinnamon and stuff, there has been actually quite a few trials done on people who are diabetic and pre-diabetic. And they found a positive correlation as well between people that consume these spices and their blood sugar levels. So it's something that is 
really simple, really affordable um, that you can begin doing. And, you know, it can just start with a tiny bit of cinnamon on your oatmeal or in a smoothie and just play around with it and go, go on from that. Oh, wow. I love that so much. I'm definitely going to do that. Um, you know, cinnamon's a big one in our house for sure, but I love that it has the ability to you know, manage our cravings and stabilize the blood sugar. That's awesome. Oh, thank you so much for being here, Maria. This was a really enlightening conversation. I know that I personally learned a lot and I hope our listeners did too. Can you tell us where do you like to hang out the most on social media and how can people find you? Yeah, you can find me at my website. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram is probably where I'm most active. And all of them, it's at the Vida Bonita. Vita with a D, right? Yeah. Perfect. Oh, that is so great. Thank you so much for being here, Maria. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great day. You too. Thank you so much for having me on. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I was so excited to be able to bring Maria to the podcast so that she could share with you her knowledge about sugar and how we can heal our relationship with sugar. I don't know about you, but this was honestly a brand new concept for me. When I came across Maria's work, I was shocked and excited. I couldn't believe that there was something called a holistic sugar coach that there was somebody out there who was dedicating their practice to helping other people heal their relationship with sugar. And you know what it was for me? It was a light bulb moment. It was a moment where I could recognize that, yes, our relationship with sugar is so important that it does require a coach or it does require special attention so that we can get past that constant chokehold that sugar tends to have on us. I mean, we've all had those, you know, late night running to the freezer for some ice cream or rummaging around for chocolate or something right? But what if we could be free of that? The idea of getting a handle on my relationship with sugar was so like intriguing that I just had to have Maria on. So I really hope that you guys got as much out of that conversation as I did. Um, I really love following her Instagram page. She has so many neat looking recipes, um, just delicious, beautiful pictures, obviously, but like really delicious looking recipes that I'm excited to try. So I hope you guys check that out. If you liked this episode, please feel free to share it with somebody who else, you know, who else you think might enjoy it. It. Um, take a screenshot of the episode, share it on social media, tag us, let us know that you liked the message, that you're going to try out one of her recipes or whatever the case may be. I would love, love, love to hear from you. And I would love to thank you publicly, not only for listening, but also for helping us to get uh, the message out. I am so, so grateful for you. Thank you so much for being here and spending some time with us this morning. I hope you have a beautiful day.